Neil McCoy released 10 studio albums in the 90s. He first charted on the Billboard Hot Country charts, though, in 1988. But he didn't reach the top 40 until 1992's Where Forever Begins. This is where forever begins. Neil McCoy broke through a year later with back-to-back number one singles. No doubt about it. And Wink. From his certified album, No Doubt About It. Although he never reached number one again, Neil McCoy's success continued into the late 90s with two more platinum albums and a gold album, as well as six more top ten hits. This is Hello from the 90s. Hello from the 90s. This is Neil McCoy, Jason. Hey, Neil McCoy, how are you? I'm doing good, buddy. Nice to talk to you. Appreciate you. Y'all give me the opportunity to come on. I, I I love the '90s country. Can I just say that? Well, yeah. Now, and, and that's something we've been talking about to to everybody too. Is you know the differences between the '90s and now. I know you were one of those guys that maybe some of the traditional country people went. I don't know about this Neil McCoy guy. And now, <laughs> and now, I bet you're one of those people who says, "Well, I don't know about this Florida Georgia line guys." <laughs> You know what? I, I, I listen to Jason, uh, and I think about that, and I am trying, and I, I think I'm doing a pretty good job of not being that guy because yeah. I do understand that that the new stuff is working amongst the younger people, and if it's working for them, I know still these artists and people that are in recording studios are earning their keep. So I don't come down on them because I put myself in the, in their position, like you said in the '90s when I'm coming out with "Shake It to the Left," you know, and "Slam Bam," I'm feeling all right. Yeah. I'm sure that, the Charlie Prize and Conway Twitties and those guys are probably going, uh, really? What we call the country? <laughs> well, now, it's, I'm to walk it back a little bit. It's interesting that you bring Charlie Pride up. Wasn't he the first person that you opened up for? He is. I I, I met Charlie Pride. I won a contest. I'll give you cliff notes in 1981, and through that con in Dallas, and through that contest, I met Charlie, and he signed me to his booking management agency. Let me open shows with him about six or seven years in the 80s. He didn't need an opening act. He was just trying to help me kind of hone my craft and, and uh, maybe meet some folks that may sign me to a record deal eventually. So he is still one of my dear friends and mentor and heroes. Now, uh, is that is that something that happens a lot? It seems like that happened uh, when we when we talked to uh, uh, you know to guys who came up in country in the '90s and '80s. There was a lot of that helping hand from the elder classmen, so to speak, in country music. Is that something that's still happening now? You know, I think it is. I, I unfortunately am, am not too much in that ball game because I don't. I never lived in Nashville. I've always made home and still make home in Texas. So, unfortunately, I when when kids come to me and ask me for a helping hand or whatever, I say, guys, I don't even, I don't even know the right people to <laughs> aim you at or to go talk to because I'm I'm so far removed from from that scene, the Nashville scene, but I, I, did, I do give them a little, you know, a couple of little quick things that, that have helped me and, and, uh, and some recommendations. But, but, yeah, I think, you know, I still, in today's country, I think, uh, I see, I think you see the Blake Sheltons and, and, uh, and the Lee Bryce's and a lot of these guys that have become friends, and they do look out for each other. And I think on trying to get the Tyler Fars and that people up, I think they, they're still very helpful in, uh, in trying to help the younger guys that are coming along get into it. So I think that's been passed along, and it probably just comes with the, with the format. Let's talk, the ab- genre, 
Let's talk about some of uh, your songs. And uh, it's always interesting to hear when a uh, artist hears their song for the first time on the radio. I don't know if No Doubt About It was the first song you heard on the radio, but definitely one of your first biggest hits. What was that like when that started climbing up the charts and you became a, a country music star? Well, I, I appreciate you putting it like that. It was obviously, uh, well, I say not obviously. It was not the first song I had played on the radio. Uh, it was my first big hit, but a lot of people don't know that before I, before I ever got that No Doubt About It album out, I'd had uh, already, I'd been through two albums with Atlantic Records and about six or seven singles that we had put out and, uh, and couldn't get really anything, uh, anything played on the radio much at all. But uh, So I had heard initially, I'd heard one of the other songs on the radio in my hometown. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Uh, but, but from a, from a real radio standpoint, yeah. Uh, hearing no, but no doubt about it played and knowing that it was, it was climbing and, and doing well, uh, and hearing it on the, on the radio, the first time to hear what we all thought was going to be a hit was pretty spectacular. I mean, it's just, uh, it just gives you, you just, you sit there for a minute and listen for a minute and you just go, Oh my gosh, I am so happy. Not just for me, but for my family and mm-hmm. for our friends and, and, uh, and, all the people that support us all these years to know that we may end up, looks like we could end up having a hit, and, and, it, and it's due to all these people who have supported me. And then uh, follow that song up with uh, Wink, which was kind of set yeah. the tone for uh, what I think of Neil McCoy. When I look back and think of all the great songs there, Wink was kind of that first fun song that, uh, that you had out, at least that I remember, and that kind of set the tone for me for what you did for the rest of your career. Was that a... Uh, did you feel that too? Did you just like that song and like that style more, or do you just like having fun? You know, I like having fun in that song, but but yes, at the at the time and still to this day, it probably is our most well known and most requested song. And because I've worked hard to to establish myself as that guy, a mm-hmm. fun kind of positive guy, and and so you're you're right, and I'm glad you feel that way when you when you hear Wink, you think about that person because that is the that is the attitude I've always tried to give off, even even in, in love songs or whatever. I've always tried to be uh, kind of a positive guy. And so when, when people like, that's very complimentary when you said that's the, the thing that kind of set up, because that is my attitude of when you come see me at a show. And, and that's really why I do everything else is so I can get somebody to come see me, because I think once they do, they'll, they'll kind of understand who we are and what we're about. Well, your shows are fantastic and fun, and then and then you come, uh, you know, a couple of years later, three years later, you come out with the Shake, which was even more yeah. fun than Wink. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah, got to be one that people just love to see uh, see it when you do it live. It it is. It's just that song, you know. And and in between that, we had the City Put the Country Back in Me and mm-hmm. and a few other uh, great songs. Uh, and but but you're right, especially in a concert setting, they like the tempo stuff. It's fun, and they kind of. Uh, from an audience standpoint, they kind of lay and wait and and uh, and like your other stuff. But boy, when you hit them with the shake or that, and then even followed up years later with a song called "Billy's Got His Beer Goggles On." Yep. They uh they just go, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a it's a great release, and that's why people want to come see it. It puts them in a complete completely different mood, no matter what was happening before they even got to your show. And yes, sir, and that's it. As as crazy or corny as it sounds, that's exactly what we try to do with our however long our show is, the same thing I compared a lot of times, it, uh, Jason, to going to a movie, a great mm-hmm. movie, where you, when you walk out, you've laughed, you've cried, you've thought, and then you just walk out going, oh, wow, 
that's that's how I want them. I want to I want to take them on that same roller coaster. Great movie does on our shows. What as you look back at uh, some of the songs that you had out in the in the nineties, do you have a favorite Neil McCoy song? Oh my gosh! You know I've I tell you one that I've gotten a lot of. Uh, uh, first of all, I'll tell you this: sentimental favorites, no doubt about it, mm-hmm. uh, because that was the first hit right. after years and years of struggling and and and. And have people say, man, aren't you going to get out of that once you get a real job? <laughs> we finally had that, and and, uh, and my wife had suffered through that also. Uh, you know, the people were saying, oh, is Neil trying to be a singer, still trying to be a singer? And, you know, and she'd come home every once in a while and go, I can't believe that, that, that they're saying that to me. And I said, well, just, and I'll, my advice to her was always just, I said, well, just be quiet, just hang on. Mm-hmm. I think we'll end up getting the last laugh, and and we we finally did it. Those naysayers then, but uh, from a sentimental favorite, no doubt about it. But one of my favorite songs I recorded, and I've I've, I've fortunate enough, I never had any kind of drug dependency or alcohol uh, abuse stuff in my career. Uh, but I recorded a song called "If I Was a Drinking Man" that probably touched as many folks. Uh, as anything I'd had for a while, because a lot of people were coming to me that that had had, especially alcohol problems, say, "Hey, you know, this thing is is getting me through some tough times." When I I listen to the lyric, and and if I'm I feel like I'm gonna do something wrong, he said, they'll you know they'll say I put that song on. It kind of keeps me guided in the right direction. So it, it meant a lot to me. Now back in the '90s, uh, when you talked yeah. about country music and. And uh, you always thought of uh, there, almost everybody wore a hat. You did, and a lot of guys were were extremely <laughs> tight jeans. And Neil, yeah. it was a close contest between you and Dwight Yoakam most of the time. So, if if you could explain how in the world could you possibly get in those things? First of all, the, the winner goes to Dwight Yoakam. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it at the time I was I was probably wearing them tighter than uh, than when I became a real man <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and loosen them up a little bit. Now they're still fitted, but, but they're certainly not like they were it. And, and, and I'm probably not, not as in good a shape as I used to be, although I work hard at it. Uh, uh, but yeah, Dwight will win that. But you know, I, I got that comment a lot and, 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 and it's just, uh, I think it's the way they appeared in that both of us are skinny. Mm-hmm. So, so jeans, I think, look, I, I don't really know how to describe it, to tell you the truth, Jason, but I, I would, I had a lot of starch in mine, so <laughs> they would start from the waist all the way down, and they almost look, and I still wear them like that. I mean, it is so, it is so old man, look, I get it, and we go out and play, <laughs> we go play with these young acts, and you know, they all, and, and nothing against them, some of my band members look the same way, but I say, they all look like the guy that's, and not the dog, this guy, but they all look like the guy that's coming out and said, you know, you need me to check oil, too, while I put yeah. gas in. Yeah. They're all kind of dressed like that filling station look. And and, and, uh, and and me wearing those, and, and I know the young people just go, oh, my gosh, oh, why don't you give this up? And I would I would like to give it up, but it still works for me. So yeah. <laughs> let's talk a little bit. Let's, let's move past the 90s, and let's talk a little right. bit about what you're doing right now. Tell me what what's up with Neil McCoy right now. Oh my gosh, man! Well, I, I can tell you, uh, if my voice sounds a little hoarse, it's because it is, because I have been doing so many interviews and and not getting much rest between reading what people are writing that they like about me and the things they, they hate about me, <laughs> or the ones that don't even know me. I've got a song out now called uh, uh, "Take a Knee, My." Yeah. I don't know if y'all say it on y'all's channel, but bleep. Yeah. Uh, and and there's a, also a, an alternate version that's just going out 
the radio called I Won't Take a Knee, which is basically the gist of the song, and it's in the song, too. Uh, but it's, you know, we, we're getting a... I, you got time for me to give you how it came about? Yeah, sure I do. Yep. I have a great friend named uh, Gloria Barron who who comes to our benefit down here. I have a benefit in East Texas, help uh, children with life threatening and life challenging illness. And she's been coming for the last 10 years. She went out about two and a half, three weeks ago to a thing with Red Steagall, kind of a, a little celebration. And this songwriter there, Dan Roberts, and her and Dan are good friends. When he got up, he said he, he played a song that he just wrote. He woke up at 5.30 in the morning, wrote the lyrics down, and played it, and he, and he played it, and it was this song. Uh, and, and at the time, it entitled was, you know, Take a Name I Bleed, mm-hmm. which is, uh, and so she heard it, and it starts with I Pledge Allegiance to the Flag, singing of the first stanza of I Pledge Allegiance to the Flag, United States of America. She knows that I say that every day and have, as of this morning, for the 684th day in a row on my Facebook Live. And, hmm. and so that, that's what tweaked her in, and then she Throughout the song, it, it goes on, and it ends up. It's, it talks about the people uh, in the NFL who are kneeling during the during our national anthem. And she right. knows where I stand on that. She knows my patriotism and my history of going on 15 USO tours mm-hmm. and, and my my father and grandfather's service. She just knows where I, I bleed red, white, and blue. And so she called me and said, "Hey, I, I heard a song last night. It seems right up your alley. You may want to, you know, you you do your Facebook live. Maybe you want to record it and put it on there so your followers." who believe the way you do would have a, you know, get a chance to hear it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I got it. Uh, I, I called Dan. I said, man, there's a couple of things we probably need to change just to, so I don't come off like a total heel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we, we changed a couple of lyrics. And then what started this whole thing is that I went, I was performing in Branson on a Wednesday afternoon. When I got the demo, I played it for the band right before we went out, uh, three o'clock matinee show. And, and we did it. And I, and, and in the video, I even I, I preempted the crowd because Branson is a, a little older demographic and probably in the a little more Christian-based. Sure. And I told them, I said, there's going to be a bad word in here. And I told them, too, I said, my band's going to play it. I don't know the lyrics, y'all. A friend of mine just wrote it. So I even had the lyrics in my hand because I said, huh. I want to make sure that I'm reading the right lyrics uh, and, and, and because the, the writer – deserves to have his lyrics read and not me he screwed them all up <laughs> so i recorded it and because i go facebook live every once in a while i said i'm just if y'all don't mind i'm just gonna put this on facebook live mm-hmm. and i did and i put it up and it was just a i thought it was a pretty innocent little video and uh but but people our followers heard it and they started sharing it and then other people started hearing it and now it's got over four million views and, oh my and i know and went and put the lyric on it in the studio and and now that it's come out as a single, but but really not to radio yet. Uh, everybody from, I mean, every story from Fox to every, the Grudge Report, you just name it. A lot of people have, and, and they're and they're calling out. You know, they're saying both sides of it. Well, sure. And I'm getting, and and I've worked my entire career, Jason, on uh, trying to get people to like me. Mm-hmm. You know, I've tried to be that guy, that nice guy that never upsets anybody, and and uh, you know, let's all get get along. And and so I put this song out, and now. <laughs> I've, <laughs> Well, you know, that, Neil, that's also the great thing about America. People can believe one way or the other and like or not like one thing. And uh, God bless America for that. Amen. Yes, sir. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, so you're still doing shows. Are they mostly in Branson or are you traveling all over the place still? Gosh, no, we're traveling all over the country. We used to do six shows in Branson a year and that's in November and it's, it's Christmas shows. Mm-hmm. And I love Christmas music. So we have the opportunity to do it. But no, we're on the road 
doing 110, 120 shows a year all over the country. So we're still hoping it. Not slowing down, Neil McCoy. That's no, uh, that's great. Well, dude, you're one of my favorites. I appreciate you taking time uh, to go back to the 90s with us. You're welcome, man. And I appreciate you, you keeping the 90s, uh, 90s country. That's where it's happening. I appreciate you spreading the word. 